Okay, today we're in Lesson 8. We're going to look at Wisdom from Above. And we're going to look at James chapter 3, uh, verses 13 through 18. And we're going to look today at the whole issue about wisdom. Now, I want you to understand, when we look at these, we're taking them by sections. Each section seems to have a theme or a topic that it wants to cover. But when you're reading a letter, it's a letter, okay? And so what we're, what we're taking as sections, it really is a continuation of a thought. Okay, so like the prior section to this was about controlling your mouth, and it began with, you know, be careful about wanting to be a teacher, okay? Because you're going to be held accountable for what you teach. And so then he launched into the discussion about controlling your tongue, about your your mouth and your language and so forth. Um, now he's going to get into the issue of wisdom. Now the reason why he's going to talk about wisdom is because is it goes back to the issue about those who want to be teachers. Because when you have somebody who wants to teach, and remember I'm not talking about a teacher in a church, I'm talking about anyone that wants to tell someone their opinion because you become an instructor. So you feel that you have wisdom to share with someone so as to, quote, help them or whatever. So now he's going to talk about what true wisdom is, what um, wisdom from above is. And we're going to see that here in these uh, six verses. So let's first of all look at verse 13, and we'll see the continuation of the thought here. And notice what he says. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. Okay, so the first thing he's going to ask here is this. He's got a question. He asks who presents themselves as wise and understanding. So first thing he's going to do is, is because you have to understand in the early churches, they had people who tried to portray themselves as being wise and and they would always have an opinion about something. They would always express, this is the way things should be, or in my experience. I've had that happen before. I've been in a church where, you know, we had a gentleman who served on boards for five different churches. And every time something would be discussed, he would always share his opinion about what they did in the other churches. What they did in the other churches. Now, I'm going to be very honest with you. He never moved from where he lived. He lived there, and then to have an experience of five different churches, that doesn't speak very well, does it? What does that speak of? That he's constantly moving, you know, from one church to another, not just in a church and becoming a part of that church body. And so when you have somebody who shares that, you're aware, okay, what kind of wisdom is he sharing here? So James is addressing people like that. He's addressing people who are presenting themselves as being wise and understanding. He's presenting themselves as people who say they got their, their, their act together, they know, and they're always ready to what? Present their viewpoint on things. But here's what James is saying. Wisdom is expressed in what? Good conduct. Wisdom isn't expressed in just opinions. True wisdom is expressed in your conduct. Do you you understand what I'm saying? True wisdom is expressed in how you live your life. True wisdom is expressed 
in what you do in your actions of your everyday life. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Because how many of you have met people that are quick to share their opinion and tell you what to do, but they themselves don't do that stuff? Have you ever met somebody like that? I mean, and they're emphatic. This is what you need to do. But then you say, well, how come you don't do that? Well, your situation's different than mine. Did you know what I mean? Your situation's different than mine. Wisdom is expressed in good conduct. Period. Now, here's the nature of such conduct. Such conduct takes place in meekness of humility or wisdom. So, it's not... It's not a pride-filled conduct. So it's not like, well, you know, I'm spiritual, and therefore I'm doing the right thing here. No, no. It's, it's, it, you are meek about it. You are, you are, uh, you have humility in doing it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not something you're flaunting. So let me just stop for a moment. I mean, how many of you have been in church Let's say more than 10 years. Okay? All right. How many of you more than 20 years? How many 30? Wow. 40? 50? I'm out because I, that's, that's, I've, I've, how about 60? Okay. 70? 70? Okay. Okay. You were born in church. Figuratively or literally? Okay, all right, figuratively, okay. Okay, that, okay, so Nancy's the one who's been here in church the longest. Okay, now, okay, listen to me. In your experience of church, whether it's 70 years plus or even 10, have you met people who try to act like they're spiritual and they got their act together? Ever met people like that? I mean, they kind of wear it on their sleeve when they come to church. It's their merit badges. Do you know what I mean? Now, have you met, okay, that t- set that person aside for a moment. Have you met a truly spiritual person in church? Is there a difference between the two? What's the difference? Okay, one's real, the other one isn't. Scott says humility. Somebody else, what's the difference? Sincerity. What else? Attitude. Okay. All right, now, all right, let, let's, let's stop with what Marilyn said. What kind of attitude do you see in the person who flaunts their spirituality versus somebody who is truly spiritual? What kind of attitude do you see there? Pride. Be, holier than thou. Okay, better than, better, okay. All right, so does everybody understand? So the person who flaunts their spirituality is trying to act like they're what? Wise. But James is telling us that true wisdom is expressed in what? Good conduct, and that good conduct is based upon what? Meekness of humility or wisdom. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a spiritual person who's not flaunting it. All right? Now, look with me now. In verse 14 through 16, notice what he says. He's going to change his tone here a little bit. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, 
Do not boast and lie against the truth. The wisdom, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So he's going to talk about false wisdom now. Okay, because remember, we just talked about the difference between someone who portrays himself as being wise and spiritual versus somebody who truly is. And one of the things that kept coming out of the, the, the issues that you were saying here is a better-than-thou attitude, pride, and so forth on the person who is portraying himself as that. So notice now, James is going to tell us that that's false wisdom. If we harbor envy and ambition, stop defending yourself against the truth, is what he's saying here. If we harbor envy and ambition, stop defending yourself against the truth. What do you mean by that, George? Well, if what is motivating me is envy, what kind, like, okay, like, what I do is I see that so-and-so in church has got a new truck. Now, I want that new truck, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what i got to get to get that new truck, okay? Or ambition. Well, so-and-so got chosen to do something at church, and I want to do that now, you know? So-and-so made the best pizza rolls. I want to have even better pizza rolls at the next function. Do you know what I'm saying? Because they're getting all the attaboys, and I'm not getting any. So I want to be the best pizza roll maker in the church. Okay, We're laughing at the silliness of that, but that's, it could be something else there. Do you understand what I'm saying? It could be an ability. It could be anything. Here's what he's saying. You need to stop defending yourself against the truth. What does that mean? Because here's what happens. Pride, have you noticed something? When you confront someone, what's the normal response, the human response, if you're confronted? You get immediately what? Angry is right, Bruce, defensive. And you start to what? Justify yourself. Do you understand? When, when you, especially if the Bible's confronting you, or how many remember when your parents confronted you? I, I, I got teenagers. I know what this is like. Okay, so when, you, when you're confronting someone about behavior or whatever, and pride and so forth, then immediately there's what? A defensive, whole bunch of words thrown out there. You know, just a whole bunch of words trying to defend yourself rather than what? Be humble and say, yeah, you know, you're right. It is ambition. It is my own self-seeking here. It is envy. So he's saying here, verse 13, no, verse 14, he says what? Do not boast or lie against the truth. Don't defend yourself. And how we do it is we either boast or we lie. Do you understand? How we do it is we either boast or we lie. So here's what he says. Notice with me. Here's the nature of such wisdom. Wisdom based on selfishness does not come from God. So if your wisdom is based upon your selfish ambition and your pride and what you want out of life, that's not from God. James is very clearly saying that's not from above. That's not, that's not from, from God at all. Because that's based on selfishness. 
All right, now here's, here's, here's what he says. The source of that, the source of such wisdom is three things. First of all, the world, the flesh, and Satan. The source of such wisdom is coming from three areas. It's coming from the world, the world system, the way the world does things, the flesh. Now, what does that mean? The flesh means my personal desires, what I want. And the other is demonic, which is from Satan. So, like for instance, if I'm giving, a, if I'm giving my opinion, let's say Sam here is going through something, and he comes and asks me my opinion. Now, here's what can happen. Let's say somehow I'm intertwined in Sam's life, and I want him to make his decision a certain way, because I know that it's going to benefit me somehow. Do you understand? So my wisdom that I share with him now, is it going to be good wisdom? No, in fact, it's going to be tainted by my what? My own personal desires. Okay? How many of you ever faced something like that? We all have, right? That's called being tainted by the flesh. Do you understand? Where we're wanting to see a desire. You know, and, and Sam, you know, let's say Sam, oh, he just knows that George just is all out for him. Okay? George, I can count on George just to give me the best advice because George, George has my best interest at heart. In fact, I would say, Sam, I just have your best interest at heart. But inside I'm going, yeah, but mine first. That's called the flesh. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's one aspect. So the world can, can influence the wisdom as the way the way the world does things, your own personal desires, and then Satan. Listen, here's the thing. You want to write this down. Not every thought is yours. Not every thought that you have as you're thinking about it, you're wondering what you need to do. You're even praying, God, give me wisdom. Remember, he told, talked about that in, in James chapter 1. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally and without partiality. Here's the thing. As you're thinking about it and so forth, it's very possible that the wisdom that you're receiving, the thoughts that you have, they're not from you. Do you realize that? Do you realize that not every thought comes from you? You need to be aware of that. Why do you think the Apostle Paul will later say that you need to bring every thought into captivity to Christ? Bring every thought into captivity. You need to bring every thought into captivity to, to the truth of God. How does it match up to the truth of God? Okay? How does it match up to the truth of God? Because here, let me go ahead and tell you this. Here's one way you can test it. If your thoughts are telling you to do something contrary to what God tells you in the Word of God, it isn't from Him. Do you understand me? If your thoughts are telling you to do something that is contrary to God's word, where you know what God's word says, that did not come from God. Do you understand? That did not come from God. So, that's the nature of wisdom. Now, here's what going to talk about ungodly wisdom. Selfish wisdom results... Here's the result. Selfish wisdom results in confusion and every evil thing. So, okay, let's go back to my illustration with Sam. So I give Sam my tainted advice, my tainted counsel 
for my own benefit. And he tries to apply it to his life, but he ends up getting into a bigger problem. He ends up creating a bigger mess. Have many of you ever done that? You, you followed, and then you found out later that the person who told you that was had had, a, had, a, had their own motivation in doing it, and you ended up creating a bigger what? A bigger problem for yourself. Okay, bigger problem for yourself. And here's what he's saying: Why? Because that kind of wisdom is going to create for your life and for the life of others around you. It's going to create confusion, and it's even going to produce every evil thing. Every evil thing. So we've got to be careful. We've got to be aware. We've got to be careful. We've got to be aware. Now he's going to tell us what heavenly wisdom is. Look with me at verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, of good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruits of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Okay, so let's talk about heavenly wisdom. First of all, he tells us, true wisdom comes from God, namely the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that true wisdom is going to come in your life from the person of the Holy Spirit? It comes from above, it's through the person of the Holy Spirit. Because remember, how do, how do I know that? Well, Jesus told us that he was going to send another comforter who would what? Guide us into truth. That's the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. Do you realize that? Do you realize that the Holy Spirit's role is to guide you in your life? A lot of times when we pray, though, we're we're asking God for wisdom. Like, where's it coming from? I think we need to be a little bit more specific and say to say to Him, Lord, I need the Holy Spirit to guide me today. I need the Holy Spirit to give me wisdom. You understand? Because it's going, He's the source of the wisdom in your life. That's His role. Jesus said that's what His role would be in your life. Okay, let's go on. Wisdom, true wisdom. Notice the similarities. Look at verse 17 there. All right, well, here's what I want you to turn to your Bibles to chapter 5 of Galatians. Put your hand right there in James. Turn over to Galatians chapter 5. Now, look with me there. Look at verse 22 and 23. I'll read these to you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control, against such there is no law. Now, this is the fruit of what the Holy Spirit produces in your life. Does everybody understand me? Okay. Now, go over, go back to James chapter 3 now. Look with me at verse 17. But wisdom from above is first what? Pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, of good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. I want you to notice, here's the point, notice the similarities between the fruits of the, with the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Notice the similarities there. So, here's what I want you to see. This is what true wisdom is. Who's the source of that wisdom then? We've already said it. Holy Spirit. 
So here's how you can know. When you're looking for wisdom, especially spiritual wisdom from people, don't go to somebody just because they act spiritual. Because we've already said a lot of times that spirituality may simply be a front and it's not reality. What you need to look for in that person's life are fruits from who? The Holy Spirit in their life. Because that's the type of wisdom that you want. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the type of wisdom that you want. Because that kind of wisdom is a product of who, folks? The Holy Spirit. Do you you understand what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit. Now notice, look at some of the things here. The second thing he points out there is that it's peaceable. So let's say this. Okay, let's go back to my illustration with Sam. And one of the issues that Sam's dealing with is a conflict situation. He, he's, got, he's got somebody mad at him. He's mad at somebody. And uh, he comes to me and he says, George, I need your advice. What do you think I need to do? Well, Sam, here's what I think you need to do, buddy. You need to fight for it. You need to stand up for your rights. You need to, you don't, don't let them put you down, man. You've just got to stand. Now, what kind of advice is that? Is that peaceable? No, is it? Yes. Go ahead, bro. Fruits of the Spirit are, okay, let's go back to Galatians. There's similarities between the two lists. Galatians, chapter 5. Here's what it is. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what I just used as an illustration, here, go back a couple verses to verse 19. And he's going to show what the, in, in, in Galatians chapter 5, he's going to show you what the works of the flesh are. Now, listen to this list. But the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envies, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, and of which I've told you beforehand, just as I've told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's saying that those who whose life is marked by these kind of things, they're not believers, is what he's saying here. So, here's what I'm saying. So, the point is, is that if I'm going to give wisdom, it needs to be reflective of what? True wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit, and it's going to be, and we're going to look at the list here in a moment, what are some characteristics of that wisdom? Okay, so let's look here. First of all, he's going to talk about purity. The wisdom is going to be purity. It's going to be pure. This refers to holiness, which is reflected in moral and spiritual integrity. So the wisdom, true wisdom, is going to be pure, which is going to be reflective of a moral and spiritual integrity. It's going to refer to holiness. Do you understand? It's going to refer to holiness. Peaceable is the next one. This refers to having peace as opposed to strife between people, as well as God. Okay? 
So the wisdom is going to be seeking to bring about peace, reconciliation, rather than promoting what? Strife. So the advice that I gave to Sam, where you just got to do what you got to do and, and stand up for your rights and blah, 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 you know, that was promoting what, folks? Strife. It's not promoting, promoting peace, reconciliation between people. All right, here's the other one. Gentle. What does that mean? This refers to having forbearance on one's part towards another. This talks about being gentle towards someone else. About forbearance. About not, you know, how many of you ever talked to somebody and, and they just tell you like it is? I mean, I've talked to somebody like that. You go to them for advice. And, and, and instead of advice, they just blast you into the ground because, you know what, I love you. and it, But I, the truth will set you free. So here it is. Blah! Do, do you know what I'm saying? And, and, and they do that. And you're like picking yourself off the floor. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Is, is that person being gentle? No, 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 no he's, no, he's not, okay? No, not at all. It's having forbearance on one's part towards another. Okay, willing to yield. Now, this is one that's hard for us, especially as Americans. This refers to being flexible and willing to change. This is a key ingredient to a good marriage. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Is being flexible, is, is, is being willing to yield. Because if you have two people who are in a marriage who are not willing to yield, what are you going to have? Problems. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Problems. A lot of younger married couples face this issue. Because when you've got two independent people who first get married, the first few years are, are called the adjustment years. Do you understand? Where you're learning to adjust. Now, as you get older, you, you kind of learn to what? I hear a lot of comments that are quiet and laughter. Yeah, you learn to be flexible. Like, you know, you, you, you know, when you first get married, you've got a whole bunch of mountains you want to die on, right? The guy's starting to say yes, dear. Okay, whatever. Yeah, you also learn that we're not always... Bruce, thank you for the wisdom. <laughs> Denny's is wanting to cause strife. <laughs> but, you know, you, seriously, though, okay? Seriously. Hey, that was a prime example of the difference between the two, right? <laughs> okay, all right. Here, here's what I want you to see. You know, in those formative years... You know, you've got a lot of mountains you want to die on, but as you as you mature in your relationship, you realize, man, there are very few things you're going to die on. You know, do you know what I mean? There are very few things that are worth dying for in your marriage. You know, as far as, I ain't moving, baby. Well, then move. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's what happens. Why do you think divorces happen within, well, the first year and a half to three months sometimes? I mean, three years most common time for divorces to collapse. I mean, marriages to collapse. Because there's no willing to yield on people's parts. Okay? So this refers to flexibility and a, and a willingness to change. How about full of mercy and good fruits? Here's the next one. This refers to graciously forgiving, which leads to practical action. 
This refers to graciously forgiving. That's what mercy is. Mercy is, is willing to forgive. Alright? When you show mercy to someone, especially if they've done you wrong or done something wrong. And that then leads to what? That mercy then leads to what? Showing practical action to working that out. That's what part of godly wisdom is. Okay? That's what part of godly wisdom is. Let's go on to the next one. Without partiality. This refers to being free from prejudice towards people. Remember, we already talked about partiality. It's amazing how these passages all tie back to each other. Remember what he said, partiality is a sin? But true wisdom is not going to be partial. It's not going to be partial to one person or one group over another. Okay? So it's going to be free from prejudice towards people. I mean, let's get back to the marriage illustration for a moment. How many of you, you know, well, that, the reason why you do that is because that's what your family does. And your family, or you know, and all that leads to is problems. Right? You know what I'm saying? Because why? You're showing prejudice. Do you understand? You're showing prejudice towards people. Let's go on. The next one is without hypocrisy. This refers to being genuine and sincere as opposed to hypocritical. This is the kind of wisdom that is genuine and sincere as opposed to being hypocritical. Now, before we get to the next point in verse 18, let me just say so. I told you there's similarities, okay? There is one other list that they're similar to. If you turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. You may want, if you don't want to, just write that list down. Peter refers to the same things, same issues, except this time he's talking about how you and I need to add these things to our what? Our faith, our lives. So here's the thing. It's going to be a product of the Holy Spirit in my life. It also needs to be, listen to me, it needs to be that which I'm seeking for in my life, which is what we see in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1, verses 3 through 7. But what James is telling us, it also needs to be the basis of the wisdom that we want from people. Do you understand? Do you see how it all works together? It's a product of what God wants for my life, Galatians 5. It's what I should be striving for in my walk with God, 2 Peter chapter 1. But James 3 is telling me that this is what true wisdom is from above. That's the advice that I need to be seeking. So here's the thing. If I'm seeking that the Holy Spirit produces this in my life, this is what I'm striving for. If I'm going to seek wisdom... For living my life, for doing what God wants me to do as I face the situations that I'm facing, doesn't it make sense that the wisdom that I'm seeking matches up with what I'm seeking for my life anyhow and what the Holy Spirit is wanting to produce in my life? Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not going to be seeking after wisdom that what? Is influenced by the world, influenced by my own flesh, and influenced by the the demonic, by Satan. Do you understand? Okay, so let's go on here now. Look at verse 18. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Here's what he says. 
A truly wise person is a man of peace. A truly wise person is a man of peace. Let's go back to my illustration earlier. Remember I told you about the people that portray themselves as being spiritual, okay, versus somebody who is truly spiritual? And what we talked about, that person who portrays themselves as being spiritual, is that they are prideful and they are what? They, they are in it for themselves and so forth. You know, the, you know what? In, in our context of churches, do you know where true wisdom is expressed? You know where you can tell where true wisdom is in our context of churches? You're saying, no, George, leave me alone. I don't know where you're going with this. Okay? In our context of churches, because we tend to be congregational churches, there's always the possibility for something erupting in a, in a business meeting or whatever. And that is what? A church fight. Okay? How many of you have ever been involved in a church where there was fighting? Let's be honest. Okay? Most of you have. Okay? Now, I want you to think, of about, think about it for a moment. A lot of times, though, what you'll have is people who will be adamant about their position and they'll be so spiritual about it. You know what I'm talking about? They'll be so that this is spirit, this is the spiritual reason and they'll be standing up wanting to fight to the end for the truth. How many of you met people like that? Okay? Is that true wisdom? Is it? How many of you would say, no. How many of you say, I'm not sure? I'm going to be honest with you. It is not. Why, George? First of all, we're talking about the context of the church. So don't equate this with work. Don't equate this with politics or whatever. We're talking about the context of the church. Why? Because a truly wise person is going to be a man of what? Peace. He's going to what? He's going to sow his fruits in peace as he, what, seeks to make peace. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's going to sow his seeds in peace as he seeks to make peace. Bottom line. Now, how can you say that, George? Well, I can say that because Ephesians tells us that one of the things that God wants us to strive for in a church above all else is what? Anybody have any clue? Unity. That we all be of one mind and unified. Now, when I say one mind, one mind concerning the truths of the gospel. Not concerning football teams. Okay? Or politics. You're never going to be of one mind. Okay? Alright? The issue is, is that you be of one mind concerning God and His Lordship. And so you're going to strive for peace. And so when you think about it, those of you especially who've been involved in church fighting, if you think back to it, and the truly spiritual people who were the, quote, most vocal, but they were the most vicious, was that true wisdom? No. Because sadly, let's be honest, because I've, 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 I've experienced this, the result is what? Did it always turn out well for the church? Did it always turn out well for the people who were involved in the church? It was always what? Devastating. 
was always destructive. Always. And let me ask you something. Do you believe that's what God intended? No. No. See, here's what I'm saying. True wisdom, a truly wise person, is going to be what? A man of peace. A man of peace. Because here's what I'm saying. Usually what happens in church fights, the most prominent thing that happens in a church fight is selfishness. My position. Is a person willing to yield? No. I believe the carpet should be blue. Well, why not a little nice peach color? No, no, it needs to be blue. Don't you understand? No church goes without blue carpet. Well, can't we compromise and maybe go to like a fuchsia? Kind of somewhere in between? No, it has to be blue. Did you know what I mean? Selfishness expressed. A truly wise person is a man of peace. All right, let's, uh, this is a good lesson. Next week, we're going to be talking about yielding to God. That really kind of fits with what we've been talking about, isn't it? We're talking about getting wisdom from above. Really, the next point that goes from there is about the issue of yielding to God, okay? All right, so let's get ready for the morning worship service.